Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Clocked In with the Press, hosted at Altman Studios in beautiful downtown Brentwood, California. In this podcast, we highlight news stories, individuals, and organizations that deserve your attention. This is your host, Melissa Van Ruten, Clocking In. Today, we're chatting with Jessica and Chris Bussman from Surrogacy Partnership. But first, let's hear a quick word from this episode's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at the Lucas Group, an independently owned and operated real estate company in Brentwood. The Lucas Group specializes in all aspects of real estate, working with both buyers and sellers to meet their home ownership needs. Give them a call today at 925-392-8926. Thank you so much. Jessica and Chris, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Surrogacy Partnership? Well, we are a agency that started after my second surrogacy. And we decided that, you know, the need was there and the family that I helped, she is an IVF doctor and she wanted to be able to send her patients to somebody that she trusted. So Chris and I decided that we would start one up and that's, that's how we got started. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to discuss more about surrogacy and just bring awareness to um, the option of family planning through surrogacy. This is Jessica's brainchild and it became a passion of hers and that was contagious. And I just had to come along uh, for that ride and manage the part that she doesn't like to manage, which is the the fiscal component of the business. Sure, so, sure. <laughs> so she's the she's the brains behind the operation and I handle the the numbers part of it. So that's important. That's important. So tell me, Jessica, tell me a little bit more about your role and what you do in that role with Surgery Partnership. Well, my role would be to find great surrogate candidates, um, screen them thoroughly, and then match them with intended parents that are wanting to work with us. And then I guide, lead, support everybody throughout the process until their baby's born. Nice. And Chris, you've already said yeah, you're the numbers then, guy. <laughs> and then, well, and then I'll, I'll handle the, um, the legal aspects uh, in terms of our contractual arrangements, the, um, the management of the escrow account, because the funds need to be held in a a separate escrow account for disbursement as, you know, the, the surrogacy progresses um, for safekeeping. And that's kind of my my part in the uh, the process. Sure. Excellent. So tell us about some reasons intended parents choose surrogacy. There are multiple reasons. You know, half of our clients tend to be gay couples. So in that sense, they just need a woman to help them out. They, they usually locate their donor and then they come to us when they're ready for a surrogate to help them. Um, the other half are either single people, male or female, um, wanting to do this on their own. And then a lot of heterosexual couples who have tried for years on their own to be able to do this and they, to no avail, they they can't, whether it's for medical reasons, that's usually the number one, um, or they just decided to start later in life. Maybe they found each other later in life, or they just started, wanted to start their family later in life and realized that it wasn't going to work out the way that they hoped. And so that's usually when they come to us. So they're usually either doctor recommended coming to us or referred by friends that they found that have heard of us. Those are pretty much the reasons why. Now, how about surrogate mothers? What is usually their reasoning for wanting to jump into 
something that's so special, being able to provide a life for another person. Well, that's that's pretty easy to to explain, um, only because I've done it myself, so I I understand the why. Which and um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, as of well. course. The reason is is that these are women who had easy, you know, pregnancies. Um, they went full term without complications and they enjoyed it. These are women who tend to be givers. There are people who volunteer in their community. They're just, they're helper types. And so they see, they see the need. They say, my family's complete and they say, how can I help? And so they just, they want to, they want to be able to do that for another family because they can. So. Wonderful. And so you have these these two components, these two people who on one end, they want to have a baby and the other one wants to help couples have babies. How does that matching process work to bring them together? I have a lot of questions that I ask on both sides because there are technical questions that need to be answered. Like nowadays, something just like as simple as, you know, if the surrogate's willing to be vaccinated for COVID, if the intended parents want or or don't want her to be vaccinated. Um, So I go through a list of questions and then I'm also um, trying to figure out what their hobbies are, their interests so that yes, I'm ticking boxes, what's important, what type of relationship they're looking to have throughout a journey and even post-delivery. But I'm also looking at how they can interact in general and get along. So that's usually how I match things up is personalities and and wants and needs on both sides. I would I would add to um, mm-hmm. Jessica's statement there is that piece is crucial in terms of making sure that they're cohesive in terms of the way they want to approach the process uh, because you have to remember these people are going to be working together for about a year. So you want to make sure that you are in alignment with expectations and just general personality types because, you know, there's lots of different personalities out there. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it's important that they can have a, you know, a good relationship throughout the process to, you know, help foster and develop what we, what we hope for in every surrogacy journey, which is, you know, a, a great process throughout and happy pregnancy and get to that end process where the intended parents have the babies in their arms. Wonderful. And so tell us, have you had any matches that have not worked out. When you say not worked out, in what sense? Matches that you've put together that have ended up not being a great match for one reason or another. There have been a couple. People, I think, are honest in the beginning of what their intention is. And at some point throughout, they decide that that's not what they wanted. So it does happen. Also... With surrogacy, you have to realize that you're entrusting somebody to do one of the most important things, you know, give your child life. (laughs) And, And you have to be able to trust the process. And sometimes people let fear overcome them and they get scared and then they start to micromanage and that can break down a relationship, which is what we're here to do to try to help when we start seeing some tendencies, we really try to, to jump in and make sure things stay as calm as can be. But it is like an ebb and flow and there's a lot of a lot of things going on in the process. And so we have seen it, but luckily not very often. So <laughs> <laughs> always good, always good. And so on average, how long does the process take from start to baby being born and, and with the intended parents? 
Well, nowadays, see, it used to be an easier question to answer. <laughs> Pre-COVID, you know, we could get somebody matched within three to four months. And then, you know, once matched, as long as embryos were created, um, the process could, you know, as long as the first transfer took, they could have a baby in within maybe, what, 13, 14 months. Nowadays, the matching process is way longer. We're telling people to expect a match within a year to a year and a half just to start the process. So that's added a lot of time. We've also had a few cases where it doesn't take on the first transfer. And so every time you have to start a new cycle and new medications, I mean, it just adds more time to the journey. We've noticed in the post-COVID world, we have an increased demand from intended parents looking to be, um, you know, to start a family. And we don't have an equal demand or an equal supply of gestational carriers. So the need is great on that side and the demand is great on the intended parent side. And I'll, I'll add to that too, since you mentioned it, the demand that's coming from intended parents. During COVID, we did see an influx of surrogates coming to us um, wanting to help but now that's starting to dwindle because with COVID regulations, you know, with them lifting, people don't want to enter into a contract that limits their travel or what they can do. Like they, they're like, we did two years of restrictions. We don't want to do that anymore. And so that's where I think it's... it's, it's people are kind of dropping off the other side a little bit as, yeah. as they return to their normal lives, mm-hmm. which I mean, I can understand in, in a way it, it's got to be kind of disappointing on on your end though or really on the intended parents end yeah to clarify once there's a, a legal contract between an intended parents and a gestational carrier it is very typical for a surrogate to be limited within usually a hundred mile radius of travel so you're you're essentially kind of locked down again within a, a very general area so vacations may be out of the works if they want to do a family vacation to Disneyland. Well, that may not be within the scope of the legal agreement. They have to stay within 100 miles of the delivery hospital. So that's kind of where I think um, Jessica was uh, elaborating on that that piece there. Yeah. Which actually segues really well into our next question, which is, are intended parents able to make specific requests regarding things like health, diet, et cetera, those sorts of choices for their chosen surrogate? Yes, absolutely they can. The more specific they get with their wants and needs, I let them know that that can really limit the pool of surrogates available. I do tell them, should they have any limitations or special requests like an all-organic diet, or they maybe can't exercise a certain way, or um, they have to refrain from certain... Dietary restrictions. Yeah, supplements. I mean, we had a request once that said, and I always tell them to tell me from the beginning because I always need to make sure the surrogate's all right with it, of course. She said, it's really important to us that when the surrogate uh, is pregnant that she can't pump her own gas. And I said, okay. (laughs) Um, So, but I had, she told me that and I found a surrogate that was okay with that. I mean, it still comes down to trust because there's no camera on her every day watching her every move. And it's just, you know, a matter of it was requested and you hope that she did do that. I think she was happy to have her husband do it for her all the time. (laughs) So it worked out. But yeah, so we do get that. We also have a lot of people who say, you know what? 
this is a woman who, you know, is able to get pregnant, carry full term. We just want a healthy baby and we trust that she did it before and she's going to do it again. And so we're not asking anything specific. She knows what she's doing. And then we have the flip side of people who have very specific wants and needs and we don't want her drinking from plastic bottles, only glass. So we get both sides for sure. The, the gas one would totally do me in, I think, because I'm one of those people that lets my needle get all the way to empty and then some before I'm like, oh, I should probably get some gas. <laughs> I'd be out there and I'd be like, oh, no. So tell me a little bit about the requirements that are in place in order to be both a surrogate and an intended parent. What process do you go through to ensure that everybody's meeting the right requirements not just the ones that the intended parents might make for the surrogate, but I know that there's a wider range of requirements that the state puts in place. Yeah, so I'll touch on this before I let Jessica take over. So we follow the American Society for Reproductive Medicine's guidelines for what they're looking for in terms of what uh, is the best possible chance for a gestational carrier. I'll let Jessica elaborate on what those are. And then also, additionally, uh, every IVF clinic has their old set of guidelines and processes that they follow that they feel has the best chance of a pregnancy outcome and delivery. Um, so those are in addition to the um, the ASRM guidelines that we also adhere to. So when we're looking for a surrogate, she needs to be between the ages of 21 and 40. I think that the sweet spot is early 30s, um, just for stability and support with the family and having her family completed, which is important should anything, God forbid, go wrong during a surrogacy and she can't have any more children. We want to make sure that she's financially stable, that she's doing this because she wants to do it, not because she needs to. We need to make sure that psychologically that she is able to move forward and she understands the process. So we always have a surrogate um, go through the psychological evaluation. We need to make sure that she has not had more than five previous deliveries, no more than two previous C-sections, although some clinics will allow up to three. And these are all for safety reasons. Um, so those are kind of like the bare minimum. Like they can't be taking any drugs, obviously, illegal, but I also mean sometimes prescription, like can't have a history of postpartum or depression. um, And that's supposed to also make sure. So everything's in place, not only for the success of a a surrogacy and a birth, but it's there to help protect the surrogate as well. And just make sure that she is the healthiest that she can be mind and body to be able to deliver a baby for another family. What about the intended parents? Are there, is there a certain process to make sure that they're meeting certain requirements as well? That's usually done through the clinic side, the IVF clinic side. They're the ones that are talking to them, talking them through what what this means to go through this process. They usually require um, a psychological evaluation to make sure that they can also mentally be prepared to go through that, um, which is important. And then they just talk them through, you know, if they don't have embryos already created, what that what that means and gives them a timeline. So most of that's done on the clinic side, whereas we take care of the surrogate side and screening. So, Fantastic. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear another word from this episode's sponsor. But when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Jessica's surrogacy journey as a surrogate mom and what that meant to Chris. 
Today's sponsor, The Lucas Group, has been in business since 2005 and is now offering clients the most cutting-edge solutions in property technology through Homelite's suite of products and services. Simple sales, trade-ins, and cash offers. For simple sales, The Lucas Group makes selling your home easy. Sell when you're ready without the hassle of paying for repairs, prepping for listing, or dealing with showings. Receive a competitive, no-obligation cash offer, typically within 48 hours. Close in as little as 10 days. If you would like to avoid the stress, risk, and hassle of buying and selling at the same time, the Lucas Group can help with a trade-in, a calmer, more certain alternative to real estate. They will buy your current home, giving you the freedom to buy your new home. And if your current home sells for more than the price of your new home, the Lucas Group pays you the difference, minus the selling costs. If you want to triple your winning potential, the Lucas Group has a cash offer program. The Lucas Group will help you make the strongest offer possible with a 21-day close for free. That means no program or lender fees. Call the Lucas Group's award-winning agents today at 925-392-8926. Thanks so much. So you mentioned that what led you to create your own agency was your very own surrogacy journey. Let's tell our listeners a little bit about that. Okay, both journeys? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I got it into my head one day. It just, like I do get most ideas, they just pop in and I go with them. And um, so I didn't really do much research, which I find a lot of surrogates nowadays do. So that was not like me at all. And uh, I just came home and I said, Chris, uh, our family's complete, but this was easy. I loved being pregnant. So this is what I'm doing. And he's like, I don't understand. What, what is this? So um, I found an agency online. Um, I just lucked out. I found a good one that I had no issues with. And they matched me with a couple that at the time were local. They were in San Francisco and we're, we were here in Brentwood. And um, we went through the process and I learned a lot. I'm still in contact with that family that baby girl that we had, she just turned seven last week. So that was exciting. And I wished her a happy birthday. That was a kind of a long process, which really um, opened my eyes, showed me a lot, has helped me with our agency because because of going through what I went through. Um, I definitely try to educate our surrogates because they go into it much like I did. They think pregnancy was easy for me, therefore surrogacy is going to be easy for me. And it's certainly can be, but it also may not be. And it, my first journey definitely was not an easy one. So I definitely understand the reason behind testing embryos now and how it can be successful in getting to a delivery. Um, the couple that I worked with had lots of embryos, but they were actually very poor quality, untested ones. So we had two miscarriages, a failed transfer, and we exhausted everything. That took two years. It can be an emotional toll on the parents, and it was. And so things took a long time. And what this, what really happened after that was they decided to, to stop, and we were just going to go our separate ways, but we'd really grown close. And so I had another crazy idea, and I said, why don't I be your donor as well? So what that means, as an agency, we only handle gestational surrogacy. So the surrogate has no genetic tie. But with traditional surrogacy, um, the surrogate is the donor as well as the carrier. And that's how surrogacy started back in the day anyway. Legally, it's very gray and most people do, you know, talk about trust. It, people don't want to 
to dive into that. So, but we'd built such a relationship. I felt comfortable. I also came home and told Chris uh, that I was doing this and that was very difficult for, for him to understand, but he trusted me. And so he, he allowed it because that is a big thing. Sure. Do you want to add anything about that one? So I definitely had to wrap my mind around Jessica having a genetic tie to uh, the child because initially this was supposed to be separate apart from that and she was just a gestational carrier. So I did have to process my thoughts and feelings on that. Um, But ultimately, I know my wife and she's a very determined person. (laughs) When she puts her mind to something and has a goal in mind, she's, she's going to accomplish that goal. I know that about her. And I do trust her implicitly. I know her strong, high intelligent IQ that she has in terms of her emotional component. You know, she's, she's very grounded in her, her thinking. So I knew ultimately that this wouldn't be a problem in terms of her having maybe a, a familial parentage type relationship with that child. I knew that she would be able to separate herself from that component, which is a very difficult thing to do. And I can only look at that from the outside and not have a personal understanding of that because I didn't go through that. Jessica did. But as I said before, I know her and I I understood her motivations and why she was doing it. So ultimately that led me to be at peace with her decision. So jumping in on what Chris said too about my determination, which he's not wrong about, (laughs) is that through the the two years and the, the trials and tribulations of trying to, you know, get a pregnancy for this couple, um, and it didn't happen. I was like, this is no, I didn't know. I did not sign up for this. I signed up for getting them a baby. I am determined. And that's kind of what led me to, to switch. I did not go in with the intention of being a traditional surrogate. Um, it just became that. And so, um, I just wanted to really prove that I could do this. And so um, I, I thought of it, I thought of myself as an egg donor. And so that's my mindset when I went into it. And um, I always thought that that was me giving an egg to them. This was their child and their family. And so it was easy in that sense for me to be able to do that. When I was matched with this couple, I knew from the beginning that the mom wasn't able to carry because she was going through breast cancer treatment. And I was fine with that. I think, you know, everybody deserves the opportunity to be a parent if that's what they want. Um, Throughout the process, uh, unbeknownst to me, she was actually getting worse. And so I wasn't told about that, which in retrospect, I'm still, I'm still fine with not knowing, but I've, I guess if I'd known, I really would have wanted to spend even more time with them. Three weeks before we had her is when I found out that the mom had passed away. And that also, I mean, that was devastating. That was really hard to come to terms with because I know how much she really wanted to to hold her and, and be in her life. And then actually Chris and I had to have another conversation because he was very fearful 
that now this child... Now you have another baby? <laughs> yeah, that, you know, people grieve in different ways. And he, he didn't know how the dad was going to react. I feel because of the relationship I'd had with them, I knew. I knew that he would take all his love that he had for his wife and would put it into this love for this little girl um, that he wanted so badly. But that was hard for Chris. It really was. You're right. And when she died, I had a, a personal connection to that as well because my mother died from breast cancer when I was young as well. I was 15. So that was heartbreaking. And I could see that it was it was emotionally devastating to Jessica. But once again, she was right and she knew what was going to happen. And all those things came true. That girl is being raised by a very loving father. He's since remarried. They are able to have more children and, you know, they have a growing family. So it's awesome that Jessica was able to provide that gift to them. And seeing that process transpire is kind of what led me to want to join Jessica when she eventually had that seed planted about starting her own agency and knowing through her experience what could be done better in terms of how her process was managed initially when she was a gestational carrier through the agency because she did this apart from the agency because that agency, like many surrogacy agencies, does not do traditional surrogacy. There's, it's just too legally complicated to do that. So she managed that process herself going through that surrogacy. I defer to her wisdom all the time, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think that's wonderful. <laughs> so going through that as a first journey, when I, and I decided, even when I was delivering her, that I wanted to do this again. Like I just, I, I loved the feeling of when we had our own children, that absolute joy that you feel when you hold your child in in your arms, the fact that you can give that feeling to another person or another couple is just, it's intoxicating. It's, it's amazing. And so that's why a lot of surrogates do do it over and over again, as long as they can. So I knew that I wanted to do it again. Chris is like, Oh gosh, (laughs) (laughs) buckle up. (laughs) But because of what I'd gone through, I'd learned a lot. And I knew this time around, I wanted only working with a couple that had tested them embryos because knowledge is power. And, um, really that was my only, that was my only thing that I, that was important to me. So I went through the same agency and they introduced me to a couple and on the match call is when I found out that the mom is an IVF doctor. She asked if I knew, and I said, no, I did not. And she said, would that be a problem? I said, I think that's the coolest thing ever. (laughs) I said, my own personal doctor to be able to ask questions to and and get help from. So I loved it. And throughout the process, you know, I was, um, she's kind of a worrier. And so I was able to um, really keep her calm. And um, she just loved the support that I gave her throughout the process. Two months before I had her son is when we all went out to dinner. And she said, have you ever thought about um, starting your own agency? I said, no. <laughs> I definitely, But I will now, right? <laughs> lay in, I lay really, in bed at night at 2 a.m. and stare at the ceiling and think about it. I know. When Chris said plant a seed, like she really did do that at dinner that night. I knew I wanted to stay in the surrogacy world. I'd been going to conferences. 
throughout both my surrogacy journeys, doing research, learning a lot. And I knew I wanted to maybe work for an agency and I just never thought about starting one myself. And so when she said that and that knowing that she would back me up and refer patients, I mean, that's the greatest gift is having a doctor (laughs) tell a patient who they already have that trust relationship, hey, this is who you need to call. I was just honored and I said, Chris, I mean, how do we, how do we do this? How do we start this? And so we, we just started planning and everything fell into place, which just kept uh, giving us the sign that this was something that was supposed to happen. And we've been going strong ever since. I mean, it's just such a rewarding, rewarding job. So we love it and we get to work together, which we do quite well. So (laughs) from the point of the formation of surrogacy partnership, It took us probably around almost a year to formulate our process and how we were going to approach managing a surrogacy journey, setting up the the ins and outs of it, which was significant, but we're continually learning. Um, And I think you should always be continually learning because you can always improve your process and do things better. But I do feel we have a great approach uh, in terms of an agency of how how we manage the process. And we've been successful thus far. Well, it definitely sticks with me. You said you were the one in your second journey who was helping to calm the intended mother and and not the agency. Yes, that's when we decided to, to start this, I only had the perspective as, as a surrogate. So what I did was I went to both the families I helped and I said, you know, Please let me know from your side what you liked, what you disliked, what you would have wanted differently so that we could get that perspective. And they definitely gave us a lot of really great feedback. Having a good support system from an agency is crucial and they didn't feel that they got that. I didn't need a lot of support myself, so I didn't see it as a negative if I didn't get it, um, but I could because I wasn't requesting it. Um, Je- Jessica's atypical, though. She doesn't need... <laughs> most most surrogates that yes. come through the process do really appreciate having that guidance and helping hand sure. walking through the process. She's very she, independent. She's spirit. a pro yeah. at having babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the philosophy that I took with, with the agency was treat others the way you want to be treated, the golden rule. And so people really love that. They feel that we, we don't treat this as a business or anything transactional. What I like to tell people is this is a very personal experience and it should be treated as such. So I really like to form close relationships with our intended parents and our surrogates. It helps me with the matching process, but I just love what it what it's able to create. We have people that come back for sibling journeys because they loved working with us. I've gone to a wedding, you know, across the country for one of our couples. I get invited to baby showers. I mean, I love that they think of inviting us because of the relationship that we build. And I'm, I don't think other agencies, you know, have those kind of perks. I'm very proud of that. You treat people more as people and not just a number for your business. I think that's huge. That's huge. And people know, and that's why you get the word of mouth referrals and, you know, why you guys are, have the wait list that you have. (laughs) People are excited to work with you. I think that's wonderful. We've talked about a lot of the wins, obviously. What are some of the challenges that people face during a surrogate journey? There are many reasons that people come to surrogacy to create a family. And the 
process by which they do so um, is very individualistic in terms of, of of what baggage there may be to process throughout the the surrogacy journey. That could be emotional baggage. It could be an intended mother that has had multiple failed transfers. They've been trying for it could be five years to have a family and through no success. And you're dealing with the trauma of of that, and that can be something that. Jessica is very great at helping guide through the process and understanding that component of, of what may transpire throughout the, uh, the duration of a surrogacy. Yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you yeah, kind of continue on. Probably there, to, to build on that, the biggest challenge that can happen is miscommunication, which is, you know, I can hear both sides and I can help give, you know, some perspective. It's like both sides are always so worried about the other side <laughs> that sometimes these miscommunications happen. When things do arise, it, it is typically with heterosexual couples who have had that trauma in getting to this step. And when I discover what it is, it helps me be able to talk to the surrogate more. So those are usually just the examples of of just the past traumas, I think. Do you think there's ever any sort of resentment at play with the intended mom that she wasn't able to to do this, but here's a surrogate who, you know, no problem, you, you know, through IVF, which like you said, it's it's the last resort. So maybe the couples have already been through IVF and are, still have the issues. And, and now here's somebody else who, you know, no problem. And we're able to, to carry through with it. How, how does that work out? I think in our case, from what we've seen so far, if the the mother feels that way, the intended mother, she's kept it to herself a bit. I will say specifically with my first journey and the struggles that we had, it was hard on the intended mom. And because of that, they were open with me and told, and the, the dad reached out and said, this is really difficult for her. So, um, because there's always one intended parent that really takes the lead. <laughs> and so that's usually the one that the surrogate communicates the most with. And it's typically in a hetero couple, it's the female because they're trying to create that bond together. But when it becomes difficult, and it did in, in my situation, the dad reached out. He said, you know, this is really hard for her. She needs to just kind of step away. And I said, I can, I, I completely understand. And he said, I'm just going to be the one, like you and I will communicate. And so I just did that. I respected that that's what they needed and they were honest with me and, and I did what, what was needed. These problems don't really arise if people are open and honest because there are a lot of feelings that come about. I so. would say we've seen that um, transpire in our cases through surrogacy partnership as well, what Jessica mentioned in terms of it, there will be maybe at some some schism point where there's an emotional, uh, I, I don't want to say breakdown because that, that kind of denotes like somebody going off the rails. I wouldn't say that, but it's more like um, I need to kind of remove myself a little bit from the situation. And then the, if there's two people, the other person will kind of take the lead on that and, and manage that process to protect the other person from that emotional component that they're struggling to deal with at the time. There know? must be a lot of overwhelm. You yes. know, you have yeah. the disappointment maybe like, and I'm just speaking for myself, the disappointment and maybe not being able to carry your own, but the relief that here's somebody who's willing to do it and it's been successful to to that point, I can't imagine the emotions that, that go through it. I'm sure their clinics must set them up with therapy if needed, but I know. And yes. we can too. Yeah, we, know we also, we also work with, with great licensed clinical psychologists that 
if that additional support, because we're not trained psychologists. Jessica can only do so much. Sure. She's really great at what she does, but if it gets to a point where the clinical psychologist is needed, we, we can certainly provide that resource to an intended parent should they need it. Yeah. That's amazing. I would say also, just to add one more thing, this is why it's so crucial that the matching process is done correctly and that it's more than just ticking off boxes on both sides and that you're really trying to put people together who have interests and similarities because when things do get difficult, they they've built a relationship and they can lean on each other as well. And they're less likely to have issues when they've created that relationship because they know each other and the trust is there. So by matching people properly, it helps them and it helps me and it makes things go pretty smoothly. Which I think is amazing. I know that in the interview for our article, and if those listening have not read it yet. It was a couple of weeks back in our special section. There was a whole article about surrogacy partnership. And in that interview, you had mentioned it's not really who's been on the wait list the longest and and who signs up, you know, and then, oh, boom, like, okay, here you go. And you send them on their way. It really makes a difference of of personality and requests and just all of that. What else would you say sets surrogacy partnership apart from some other agencies? Um, well, we're not a nine-to-five operation. No, our availability. We don't operate Monday through Friday. <laughs> we are a seven-day-a-week operation. We, as Jessica said, this is a business. We need to support the business component of it, but we don't, we don't approach the way we work as a business. We, like I said, we don't work nine-to-five. We are available to intended parents or surrogates alike seven days a week, 24 hours a day, as, as long as we're not sleeping. Um, <laughs> because we know that this process is so uh, so complex and there's a, so many moving parts that it's not something that you can, people have to work. And a lot, of, a lot of times communication is happening outside of business hours, right? So post five o'clock, people are getting home from work. They've dealt with, the, if it's a surrogate, maybe they've dealt with their kids. They got their family situated now they have time at 8 p.m. maybe to, hey, uh, I have this question or um, can you help me out with this uh, issue that I'm having? And likewise, for intended parents, they can, you know, ask questions post their workday uh, or on the weekend when they have free time to further the process. And we want to make sure that we're available to facilitate that because we understand all those components. That's wonderful. Is there anything else that I haven't asked that you might like our listeners to know? We just love what we do. I feel that it comes through. This is a passion of ours, and people feel it when we get to talk about it. I mean... Thank you so much for having us, because uh, we really like to draw attention and let people know that this this is an option. It's a possibility, because it's not... It's Infertility is something that's... It's, it's a hard thing to talk about, right? And- so. And it affects one in eight people and oh, not wow. just it, that's men and women. So everybody actually knows somebody who's dealing with this or has dealt with this, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I, th- I think it's, it's wonderful to bring awareness that there is alternative options to building your family. Should you want to pursue those? And it's, it's great to, to have an outlet to spread that information. That's wonderful. So thank you. Yeah, yeah thank of you. course. And, and if you're out there listening and you have completed your family, but feel like you still 
want to give that gift to another family and you're between the ages of 21 and 40 and and everything that we talked about, (laughs) it's definitely worth reaching out to Surrogacy Partnership. The website is? Uh, www.surrogacypartnership.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. That's it for today's episode of Clocked In with the Press. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen in. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll be talking to Brie Haig, principal of Brentwood's Harvest Grove Virtual Academy. Also, be sure to tune in on Fridays for our weekly news and sports updates. If you would like to read more news stories of East Contra Costa County, you can do so through our website at www.thepress.net or through our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at thepress underscore net. If you have any thoughts on this episode or any other before it, you can email them to podcasts at brentwoodpress.com. That's all I have for you today, but I look forward to next time. This is Melissa clocking out. When it comes to the home of your dreams, a trusted realtor can help with every step of your home buying journey. The Lucas Group is committed to excellence and personal service in all their sales. Their award-winning team is dedicated to putting their clients' needs first and consists of some of the top local agents. The Lucas Group has partnered with Homelight Inc. and is now an elite certified agent partner for simple sales, trade-ins, and cash offers. Call the Lucas Group at 925 392